We're back for another week of Last Ones at the Bar. We're here to talk about all of the important affairs this week in the sport of boxing. I got the fellas with me. I got Vail and I got Danny and me. You know, they call me the HBN, you know, the He Be Knowing King. You know, that's Wilton Henry. <laughs> and so this week, uh, we got a slew of topics again to discuss when it comes to the sport. But just like last week, fellas, I think it's good to start off with uh, what's going on in the NFL. You got any predictions for us this week? Uh, being that, that last week was just uh, on the edge type of week, <laughs> I don't I don't really have any predictions. Uh, it, I I can't I can't do it because I was proven wrong or almost proven wrong last week uh, with the games that went on and, and especially with the the Kansas City <laughs> one that was very very uh, you know nail biting experience. Um, but I, I'm pulling for uh, uh, the 49ers. I'm pulling for the 49ers. Uh, hopefully they – but you know what? I like the Rams too. And, you know, um, shout out to Matthew Stafford uh, for retiring <laughs> Tom Brady last week. But, you know, uh, hopefully San Francisco pull it out. What about on the AFC side? AFC, I don't really have a prediction. I, I, I don't even want to paint myself into a corner like that. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Um, in terms of my predictions, I'll keep it very short and simple. My homeboy is a bad man. I can't really, I can't really bet against him. Um, in this matchup at least. So I'm gonna go Chiefs on the AFC side. The NFC side, uh, similar to how I can't bet against my homeboy. Um, this is the opposite end of that spectrum. I can't bet for Jimmy G. So I'm gonna go with the Rams on that side. Yeah, I think we um, had the same predictions because I think uh, my homeboy, you know, he just proved why, you know, he's one of the best, if not the best in the business, the way he pulled out that game against the Bills, 13 seconds left, you know, the poise that he showed where he just, when they panned the camera on him and they were down each and every time, it just looked like he was just a cool customer. You know what I mean? Like he just never was overwhelmed by the moment and the 13 second thing I just that was just so remarkable I think they're going to use that momentum they're going to take care of the Cincinnati Bengals I think the Bengals are maybe a year or two away I don't think they have enough defensively to keep up with Kelsey keep up with Miko Hartman and then the Cheetah man that pass that he got over the middle and he just took off on that little slant route you know, that's just too much, you know, for any mortal human being. So I got to go with the Chiefs. Matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and do you one better. I got the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Now, on the NFC side, I think they're going to be playing against the Rams in the Super Bowl because I think that this time they will be able to do away with their old arch nemesis in the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers have beaten them six straight times, so they pretty much have their number. But I think with the injuries that the 49ers have, and I think that the Rams also is coming in on a high by putting out the GOAT last week, you know, I think that that's going to be more than enough. They're going to use that momentum in order, you know, to get a victory in this one. But I think it's more so because of the fact that the 49ers are banged up. Um, But we shall see. So that's my predictions on record. Now, as far as uh, 
this episode is concerned, let's go ahead and get off into it. You know, you had two fight cards yesterday. I thought they were kind of snoozers, you know, but as far as the main events were concerned, but let's go ahead and start off with the ESPN Plus card with Robson Conceicao. He was taking on up-and-comer Xavier Martinez. Vail, you wanted to touch on that main event. Uh, what did you think about that fight? Yeah, just to say, I feel kind of guilty about telling somebody to watch that fight <laughs> and being excited about it. But, you know, Robson Casasayo, he came to his fight uh, off his loss to Oscar Valdez in uh, September of last year. Uh, so that's his only loss. He's 16 and one, eight knockouts, um, going against the, the undefeated Xavier Martinez, who's 17 and 0 with 11 knockouts. Now, um, it wasn't so much that this was a boring fight. I think what irritated me about this fight was it was a monotone fight. Now, fights can be, not saying this fight was just very exciting, but fights can also be exciting but be monotone. And this one was the same thing where Casasayo, he got into this rhythm and he kept doing the same thing over and over again. And Xavier Martinez didn't do anything to disrupt that rhythm. He allowed that rhythm and kept on allowing the things that, Kansasai was doing. Kansasai, uh, he would, you know, throw these combinations, of, you know, four punch combinations, and he would step back. And even, and, and, and Martinez would block some of them on his, you know, on his arm, some of the punches, but some will still get through. Uh, and then Martinez would, you know, throw the same, you know, maybe a three or a two punch combination back to Kansasai uh, when Kansasai, you know, step back. But he still, I mean, just, off a simple numbers game that wasn't enough what he was doing. Um, now Martinez was able to hurt uh, Casasayo in the third round. It was it was you know it wasn't he wasn't really badly hurt, but it was a, he was a bit buzzed. Uh, but what irritated me is that uh, Martinez didn't really follow up on it um, in the next round. He didn't jump on Casasayo uh, at all, and he allowed Casasayo to keep on doing the same thing you know throughout the fight and down the stretch. And I, I was feeling like uh, James Tony when he was watching the, the, the Chris Bird fight backstage before his fight. Like, I, I fell asleep, man. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I was uh, fighting sleep trying to stay up and watch it. But I, I made it through. Um, but still, you know, props to Casasayo, you know, on, on his win against Martinez. And hopefully, uh, I know there was an eliminator, probably a, a WBA uh, light. Um, uh, super featherweight eliminator, and I believe that might maybe for the t the winner of Oscar Valdez versus um, Shakur Stevenson. Anything that you guys want to share? The only thing that I'll say is this: is that it was um, a, a monotone fight um, is a perfect way to describe it. So I really want to get off into much of that, but it's just uh, Robeson can say Seattle. He was saying after the fight that although Oscar Valdez is heading into a unification bout with Shakur Stevenson, he predicts Stevenson to be the victor, but he's rooting for Valdez because he really wants that rematch. One thing I will say in this fight is that his stamina looked better in like the ninth and 10th round, eighth, ninth and 10th, as opposed to when he was facing Valdez when they fought in October. Um, so that's something 
you know, the, that's more promising for him because if he's able to fight through, um, I think he'll have a better opportunity to be able to beat Oscar if they if he does get the rematch. To piggyback on that, uh, he looked different mentally too. Um, you know, although I think that he very well could have won that fight against Valdez towards the end of the fight, uh, he kind of had his mindset like as if it were in the bag already, like kind of fighting that way. And I felt like some of those later rounds he kind of gave away. Uh, he was not giving these rounds away. And, you know, if he is to get that match or, or any title shot again, um, I hope that he comes in with that same mindset and that same hunger. Uh, question for you guys, if you care to answer it or if you have any thoughts on it, but, you know, currently the ring has him ranked 10th in the 130-pound division. Obviously, he'll move it to nice since he just beat the ninth-ranked person. But based on what you saw from him last night, how, how do you rank him in that division? Or do you have anybody I want to see him fight next? Because in, in theory, he's he's up for a title shot, but he's going to have to fight somebody before that title shot. Hmm. It's interesting because, you know, 130 is an interesting division. I think uh, some of the people we pro that's probably will be in his range to fight are probably, you know, tied up. Like uh, Chris Colbert, I think, is a, you know, type between ropes and Chris Colbert would be interesting. I think, you know, I thought I think Colbert would win that fight. Uh, I think that's more in line with the, the levels that, that they both are at. But I'm, I'm not sure I'll have to look at the 130-pound uh, landscape to see uh, where Conchasio uh, fits. Yeah, um, above them, they have uh, Burchelt, of course, uh, Rockamal. Yeah. And then, like you said, Colbert and, and Gutierrez is tied up. So uh, there's a few other guys ahead of him, but it's, it's kind of tricky to see who he fights next. Oh, no, to answer, to answer the question, I think that he's – neck and neck with any of the guys I just don't see him being you know a cut above anyone but I think that he'll he, he's a gold medalist he won a, the 2000 I want to say either 16 or yeah, it's 2016 or 2012 gold medal 2016 so he has the skill it's just he doesn't have anything that's going to overwhelm you um, to the point where it's just going to be like without a shadow of a doubt, he's the victor. Like any of those guys he faced, they're gonna, it's going to be close fights. And sometimes when you're in a situation like that, he may end up on a losing end because of the fact that he doesn't bring that cachet to the table. Like some, a promoter may just go with the other guy because of the fact that they can make them more money, you know, when, 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 when it comes to like those close fights. So you know, when I look at guys like he'll be tough for Colbert, um, he'll be tough for, I mean, he, he almost beat Valdez, you know what I mean? And, and if you have that type of skill to be able to do that, then I don't see anybody else stylistically. He's going to be tough, you know, because he can box. He's big. He's strong. Um, but like I say, he just don't have anything that's going to seal the deal uh, when it comes to just making it, you know, without a shadow of a doubt that he's victim victorious in some of those fights that he'll have against the top level dudes. I think he'll be um, the fighting Marine um, Herring. I, I think that he, he, he would, he'll do very good against Rockamoff, you know, Gutierrez. I think he'll, he'll defeat Gutierrez. Now, some of those guys as well, again, if his stamina is, is up there towards the end of fights, then, you know, 
he I think that he'll do away with Gutierrez. Not knock him out, but I think he'll get the win. But if not, like a fighter like Gutierrez still packs that punch late in fights, so he might be able to get him that way. But I, like I said, I like his chances against all of those dudes, or so at least he's status quo with the top guys at 130. All right, so uh, we'll ride um, I know, Will, you caught the uh, cruiserweight bout uh, last night against Alonka, Makabu, and Tabisco Machunu. Uh, it was for the WBC cruiserweight title. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I caught it. Um, that fight was going on, um, that car was going on simultaneously to the one on ESPN. And it was a Don King car. Don King, you know, to be 90 years old, he still is, is pretty impressive, you know, when it comes to like that talk game that he has. He still um, is Don King, you know what I'm saying? Flashy, flamboyant, you know, like I said, he got the talk game, you know, like he, he from Harlem, New York or something, you know what I'm saying? So that was good to see. Now, on the flip side of that, as far as the fight visually, it looked like it was an old Don King car, like back in when Tyson was, 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 um, you know, in his heyday. I'm talking about the quality of it. It was just like an old, like, I don't know. But anyway, um, this fight right here between Makabu and Machuno, it was a, a rematch. Makabu defeated Machuno in 2015. Machuno was uh, winning the fight um, pretty much all of the rounds, but he got caught slipping, uh, slipping in like the 11th round, and he ended up getting TKO. So he had that in the back of his mind, he always wanted that rematch. He put himself in position to become the mandatory for Makabu's belt. And so he even had an opportunity, you know, we're going to touch on the subject later on of a fighter, whether or not he should take the step aside money or not. He refused. Um, you know, Makabu is, is in line to face the cash cow of boxing, Canelo Alvarez. So instead of taking the step aside money, which he would have been, got the money and would have been able to fight the winner or if Canelo wins and decides to move back down, then he could have fought for the vacant belt. And so, you know, like I said, since he felt like he de deserved the rematch and they got beef too, like they just got a little bit of drama. So a little bit of hating, I think, I think that Machuno didn't want, he wanted to put a monkey wrench in um, Akabu's ability to make it the payday from Canelo. You know what I mean? He on that hating stuff. So, but it ended up biting him in the butt. He didn't win this fight um, primarily, you know, as I watched, I'm not going to give you a round by round type thing. You know, that's something the fight is on YouTube. But what I can tell you is this, is that many of the rounds were close and they could have went either way. And you can make the case for Machunu in a lot of those rounds. But when you have the stakes as high in this fight where you have Don King or any other promoter who has the opportunity to put one of their fighters in with the cash cow of boxing, you will have to do more than what Machuna was doing in order to get those rounds, you know, um, score for you. And so it was too many of those close rounds. Those rounds, it seemed like that they went to um, Makabu. And so he ended up inking out a split decision victory. What I was impressed with with Makabu is 
he kept applying the pressure. He was coming forward. A lot of times he was getting, um, you know, tagged with a few shots here and there. But at the end of the day, like when it came to the championship rounds, I thought he won those uh, rounds like the 11th and 12th for sure. And like I said, he, he showed tremendous stamina. And um, now the whole the fight as a whole, I don't think it was impressive. I don't think it was an impressive victory. And which leads me to the Canelo fight. So if he's going to face Canelo next, based on what I saw, I don't think that he really stands a chance against uh, Canelo Alvarez. And the reasons why is that, for one, he gets hit too much. Two, he um, is not like an imposing, huge cruiserweight. So Canelo won't really have to worry about facing somebody that's just too big for him. And um, like I said, if, if Canelo can handle dudes like Kovalev, who's much more skilled, you know, offensively and technically, I think he'll be able to handle somebody just a little bit bigger um, who's less skilled. And he just doesn't do anything that is technically like great. It's just he's a he for the fighters that he's facing, he just has that power. So he, he you know, he lands some of those shots and he probably is going to get some of hit those guys out of there, you know, with his record, you know, having those. 28 or 29 victories now with 25 KO. So he does have power and he's in the left-hand stance, but he's going to get ate up, you know, as long as he can take the punishment from Canelo because Canelo just going to turn him into uh, certain shots. And the last thing is this, is that he's just a come for plotting type fighter. To me, he's a bigger, little bit better version of um, Avni Yildrum. Yildrum. Like that's the type of fighter that he is. And if you're just standing right there in front of Canelo, Canelo's just going to have a field day, you know, but as big as he is, he may be able to absorb it, absorb the punches for a whole 12 rounds. But at the end of the day, I cannot see somebody like um, Junior Makabu defeating Canelo Alvarez. But from yesterday, you know, good win for him in order for him, in order to be able to secure that huge payday that he's going to get in uh, fighting Canelo. Oh, yeah, the last thing I want to say is this, is that I don't understand this part of yesterday's event because you had two guys who are basically from South Africa. South Africa brought a whole bunch of people there. You know, they were singing and stuff like that in the background um, as the fighters were entering in the ring and things of that nature. But they had to fight in Youngstown, Ohio, which made, to me, no, absolutely no sense. That fight was so big. I don't know what the situation is with COVID. Maybe that could be the situation. But as far as just this event, you know, I thought that they would have been better suited to take that back to the motherland. Yeah, I was wondering about that uh, that location, too. Although I did tell my brother, who's in Akron, that the fight was happening and it wasn't too far away and that area doesn't get a lot of fights. So I didn't follow up with him to see if he went or anything. But other thing I wanted to ask you guys. So it's reported that Canelo has two offers on the table versus Jamal Charlo and Dimitri Bivol. And then you have this one that's still on the table. Um, who do you guys want to see him fight the most, and who do you guys think he'll end up fighting? Well, who I want to see him I think all of the fights are interesting, you know, for different reasons. So I really don't too much care, you know, at this point, because I think he's going to get to all of them anyway. Now, who I think he's probably going to fight, I think he'll probably fight Junior Makabu, um, just based on the fact that that's what, they've been talking about 
Um, now, did you mention Charlo? Is that yeah. what you said? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, if it's Charlo, then that's the one I want to see. Because I think that the Charlo fight is the one that's going to shut a lot of people up. But then again, it's not. So it is here. Canelo's in that situation. When you are the cash cow of boxing, it's always going to come with, it comes with perks. You know what I mean? Like the money, you know, the power, the ability to, you know, have certain demands and things like that and people at your beck and call. But the other part of that is going to be the hate. So the hate for Canelo is, is that like once he does all of these things that he's done, like clear out the 168 pound weight division as far as the champions, but it's always going to be somebody out there that they're going to say that you ducking, right? So you got the Benavidez, you got, you, you duck in Charlo, you duck in Andrade, you duck in, uh, so whoever. So he's always going to have that. But the one thing that I consistently hear is that he hasn't defeated an African-American um, undefeated fighter. Now, for me, you know, I'm pro my people. So I want to see Charlo, whomever, do well, right, against Canelo. But I also recognize Canelo's skill, and I'm also a fan of skill, more so the other side of that. I'm going to ride off with my people but also I can appreciate the skill. So for him, if he's victorious against Charlo, the hate is going to come. It's, it's not going to satisfy the haters. So they'll say, well, he picked Charlo when he looked his worst, when he fought, I think it was Montiel he fought last. So he wasn't looking good in that fight. So that's the reason why he want to fight him now. And then they're going to move on to somebody else and say that he, so really, from that standpoint, it's not going to end as far as the hate. But that's the fight that I probably would want to see the most. I shouldn't even say probably. I definitely want to see that because I think it's a huge event. They can host it, have it in uh, somewhere in, in Texas, and they can sell out any arena that they want. Really, it would be best if they did it in Houston. But they can do it in Dallas. They can do it uh, San Antonio, you know, wherever. But that's that would be the one that I want to see the most. One I want to see the most. I mean, that's pretty difficult because there's uh, many a fights for Canelo to take that I would, would like to see. And I'm not saying like he hasn't been fighting, he's, you know, top opposition because he has. He's really running through them. But of course, you still have like guys like Bitter B, Vivo, and then you have um, Benavidez, who I, I probably may like to see the most. But I do think, and in Charlo, who I want to see, but I do think he's going to face, I believe he's going to face Jermail Charlo. I, I believe that's going to be the next fight because I, I see, uh, of course, um, and, uh, Andrade, he's moving up to 168 to chase that Canelo fight. And I'm pretty sure that Jermail Charlo is thinking about moving up to 168. And I don't think those two guys are going to fight one another. So I think Canelo is more likely is going to face uh, Jermail Charlo. And that's how I mean, not Jamal, Jamal Charlo. And that's how Jamal Charlo is going to, you know, get up to 168. And that's going to be his, his first fight. So that's what I see happening. Um, and as I still think that would be an exciting fight, too. Um, Charlo is, you know, for office, the people, what people tend to criticize him for having these close fights. He's always in shape, you know, and he always gives his all in, in these fights. You can tell that he's, you know, passionate about winning. Uh, he wants to win. Um, and he, he doesn't allow himself to get too far outside of a fight. 
uh, if you're winning rounds against Charlo, he's always dangerous and he's always going to have that passion to try to win the fight. And he doesn't get too, you know, um, dominant. He, he doesn't get, he does, he's not the type of guy that's going to accept losing in a fight. So I do think he's, he's in that fight, even if he, he's on a losing end of a Canelo fight, I do think he's going to give his best performance and he has a, a tremendous chin, which I think is going to serve him well in that fight. Uh, and he has pretty decent defense and, you know, he can, he can do a lot of things. Okay. So, um, it's, it'll be an exciting fight for us to see. No, I think that was, that's a, that'd be a beautiful beat down. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I see, um, Canelo landing some of those big shots on him and I see Charlo not being able to, he's going to be game for it, but it's just only so much that you can take. And at the end of the day, um, either Shields is going to stop the fight or, you know, Canelo is going to do the, do, do the honors for him, you know? So but it, it'll be a beautiful beat down. Yeah, I'm going to go on with him and say, Charlo, I, I, I think Charlo can take the punches. I think he really can. I think he's stronger than, you know, a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of guys, a lot of these boxers. I think Charlo is pretty strong and I think it's going to, that's one of his, biggest attributes to me is that he's you know he's stronger than 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 the, your normal fighter and i think that's going to show he's stronger than what he, even his skill would would show because that his will is what brings him through a lot of these fights and i think his chin is going to show his chin is cool you think he gonna take that hook to the body i think he'll be okay i think he'll be fine i think i think he's gonna surprise a, a few folks uh yeah he might not win this fight but i think his toughness is going to show in this fight he's gonna surprise a lot of people no, I, I feel you. I, I, I don't. I, I'm not questioning his toughness, and I'm not questioning. But it's only so much a man can take. And I saw him in that Montiel fight get hit with some things that he didn't like. And I saw him. It changed how he his approach during that fight. And I can just imagine Canelo landing some of them big shots that he's going to be landing. And like I say, I don't care how tough you are. You know, it's just only so much that the human body can take. And once he's taking punches that he never felt before, then that's what's going to, you know, put that muscle bound man and put his face in the sand. You know, shout out to LL Cool J. I say I, I call it. It's gonna look like it's gonna look like Pacquiao, um, Bradley, except Charlie, who's Bradley, is gonna move a lot less, but he'll be just as strong and just as game. Yeah, of those three offers he's gotten. I think Bevo's going to be there. You know what I mean? Like, I think he just wanted his name. His management just wanted his name in that particular hat um, as a potential opponent. But I think Charlo and Makabu had the biggest chances of the fight, of getting that fight. And I think it depends on what Canelo wants. If he wants the legacy, then you go ahead and get that uh, easy Makabu work. And if you want the, the money and then, like, to satisfy the American boxing public, then you go ahead and get that Charlo easy work. I can see it going either way, though. See, now nowadays you have with social media and um, the likes, things are it's, it's 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 two things, right? It's the demand for things, or it's it's heightened now um, because. For one, it's more shock value with a lot of people. See, he's fighting this person. He's supposed to be fighting him. And if you think about it, how it was in the past, without social media, 
it wasn't like that before. Because if you look at people's or fighters box rec, you will see that it was certain fights that they took in between big fights. So conceivably, if a guy has just won the undisputed championship belt, then, you know, you might take a softer fight or you might attempt to chase greatness by moving up and get collecting a belt so you can be like the first whatever, whatever group that you are to have done that. Or in boxing, you're the first person to go from this weight class to that weight class. That's an accomplishment that you want to put, you know, on your bucket list or knock off your bucket list. So again, that's that's not uncommon. But with social media, you have so um, many stations that are giving credibility and you have a lot of people who are sheep and they just follow what this person is saying who has a lot of followers and then that's what becomes the topic of conversation you know it's kind of like how espn does it sometimes when you have whatever somebody say early in the morning then that's what everybody else is talking about in a segment on their shows and then that's what the public begins to discuss even though it's other issues that they probably could be discussing that's of more importance now um, as far as Canelo and Charlo, I look at Charlo as a talented fighter, but he's one of those guys that I don't see him working on certain techniques and certain skills, and he hasn't put himself in position as of late to go through certain struggles that's gonna help him in a fight of this magnitude. He reminds me of the Dallas Cowboys this past season where the wins that they had, they look very impressive, but the Cowboys win on talent. They don't do anything other than if we're better than you, then we're gonna dominate you if you didn't game plan for us properly. Where you have another team who may be like as talented, but they are situational. Like they may be taking games. They may not look too good in this game right here, but they planning for the end result. Okay, if we in this situation, we know how to respond in this situation. And we may not even be showing you everything because at the end of the season, we want to keep those in our toolkit so we can go ahead and um, surprise you with it later on because you've never seen us do that before. But I've been working on these things, you know, in practice with uh, Reynosa and, you know, that type of thing. So that's the thing with Charlo. So the adjustments that would, would he be able to make the adjustments to what Canelo is going to be doing to him? I don't see it. I think what he would attempt to do is try to dig in and fight harder um, to have more grit. And that's not the approach that you can take against somebody the caliber of Canelo. And that's what's going to be what's going to do him in when it's all said and done you can't take that approach it's uh, cunningham as a, as a trainer he's not his trainer but um shields and, and cunningham and guys like that that's typically what they're telling their fighters in the corner like i don't really see like the different specifics that you should do when a guy is doing this in order to adapt and win a fight it's like, come on, man, you know, you can fight harder than that. You know, put it on him. You know, that sort of thing. That's not going to cut it against Canelo.
so moving on to our next topic, we got a rematch of their fight that took place in 2014 um, in, in the 115-pound weight class, which is a very booming weight class, especially the top upper echelon guys. So next week, we'll have Sor Rumbasai. He's going to be taking on Carlos Quadras. Um, who do you guys have winning that one? Yeah, so Sora Rungvazai is 50 and 5 and 1 with 43 knockouts. He's 5'3, 63 and a half inch reach, 35 years old. He last beat Echoit Sungwi on March of last year. And Quadras is 39, 4 and 1, 27 knockouts, 5'4, 66 inch reach, 33 years old. He last lost to Juan Francisco Estrada by knockout on October of 2020. Now this is for the vacant WBC World Super Flyweight belt. And there's a lot at stake as the winner could potentially ultimately find themselves in unification against Chacotito or Julio Martinez or Juan Francisco Estrada, however that's worked out. But uh, so Rungvazai in the 2014 fight, he lost the Quadras by technical decision after eight rounds when the fight was stopped on a cut to Quadras' eye from a clash of heads. Um, at the time, the scores were 77-75, 77-74, and 78-73. Now, since then, Sora Rungwazai has beaten Chocotito twice and Estrada, although Estrada avenged that loss. Quadras hasn't found a whole lot of success since then, or as much success, rather. Uh, he's lost to Chocotito. Uh, he's also lost to McWilliams Arroyo and Estrada as well. Now, although Sora Rungvazai hasn't fought top competition since that Estrada loss in 2019, I believe, uh, he has been staying busy and has built his confidence back up. Uh, I'm a little concerned about Quadras' 17-month layoff, though, because, you know, especially after the war he was in with Estrada, and I'm not sure how he will have recovered from that. Um, he also hasn't fared well anytime he's taking steps up in competition like this, um, save for the first Sun Rubberside fight, of course. But uh, this is one of those instances where I'm going to rely less on like technical boxing expertise or, um, you know, things of that nature and more on what I see going into the fight. Um, I personally think that physically, so Rubberside will be more prepared uh, going into the fight. And although I think Quadras will be game mentally, I don't think, yeah, I just don't think he'll be the same Quadras he was when he fought in 2014 or even the same one in 2020 um, before he lost to Estrada. Uh, I love both fighters, and I almost don't want to see either lose, even though it's setting up for another great fight. But if I had to pick, I think uh, Quadras is going to be so game, he's going to get stopped late by Sora Rungwazai. Yeah, bet, man. That's, that's, that's a, uh, I think that's a, a very good assessment of where both guys are and so you know when you look at each guy's um skills that they bring to the table you know i like quadras too i like both of these guys these the 115 pound weight class you know is kind of slept on you know a lot of people they know about chocolatito they know about um estrada you know maybe not as much but and rump aside a little bit as well, but I'm just saying that everyday average person, you know, I think that 
I wish they, they knew more about these guys because they are very highly skilled. Now, they both getting a little bit longer than two. But um, when you look at Rumbaside, man, that, that rough and tough lefty stance that he's in, but he's just like a tugboat. You know, he hits like a Mack truck. You know, he sits in there, and when he lands his shots on those smaller guys, it's just it's a thudding um, response, you know, that, that happens. You know, once he gets to land on shots, you can't stand in front of him too long without some serious damage being done. He's a really small, left-handed, kind of a better beef um, type of fighter. Quadris, on the other hand, he, he's an aggressive fighter. You know, he has some power as well. And he kind of bridges the two together to kind of overwhelm his opponents. He's unorthodox with his attacks, but at the same time, him being so unorthodox that sometimes leave him leave him open for counters against the fighters that he's faced you know you mentioned the first fight I thought that was a really good fight it was Quadris was having his way you know early on he was landing like the more flashier punches and he was kind of snapping Rumbasai's head back with those flashy shots, but he wasn't really doing that much damage to Rumbasai, but he just landed the flasher punches. But Rumbasai just kept pushing forward, kept pushing forward. And also with Quadra's excessive movement that he was doing, Rumbasai began to start breaking him down slowly but surely. And it was evident in the seventh round when he hurt Quadra's pretty badly. And the ensuing round, they end up having that clash of heads and they'd stop the fight. I think that had they not stopped the fight in the eighth, Rumbasai was on the verge of stopping Quadris or that was going to be a very close fight had Quadris been able to make it all 12 because the fight was definitely going in Rumbasai's direction. But based on what I saw in that seventh, it looked like it wasn't much longer he was going to be um, able to you know, take that, that punishment. Now, this fight, you know, seven years later, um, I think that Rumbastai, as you said, Danny, he's more of himself than Quadris is. Quadris has slowed down considerably. Um, since that fight, he's had 14 fights, and he's 9-4-1. and one, And he also has two controversial um, majority decision wins. And then you couple that with the fact that he's coming off that 17-month layoff after being stopped in his last fight against um Estrada and that was a pretty a brutal fight that both guys I think both the both guys had a, a little bit taken out of them um in that fight both guys went down and you know like I said they were going at it in that match and his, his momentum is definitely going in the wrong direction entering this fight against Sorombasai and then Rombasai since they fought in 2014 he's going 24-1 with 17 KOs and the only loss that he had was against Estrada and that was a very close fight, you know. So just based on that, then like you said, also in the 24 win, some of the fight fighters that he had um, since then, they're not really recognizable, but he did have two victories against Chocolatito since then. And then he's also had one win over Strata since then, although he had the loss in the rematch. Now, how this fight is going to play out, similarly to what you just said, Quadris, I don't think he'll be able to move around as effectively as he did back in 2014, and which is going to make him more stationary, you know, more stationary target against Sora Romasai. Sora Romasai, 
it's one fighter you do not want to sit in front of. And so I think that this fight is going to get real Sam Cassell and Welvin the Great. And so I got run aside by KO. Yeah, both of you fellas made some uh, great points. Uh, and, and I'm with y'all. I see uh, sort of rubber side stopping Quadras, Quadras late. Uh, I think, uh, as y'all both stated, Quadras, he more so peaked around 2014. Um, and even though, uh, so rubber side was, you know, pretty much peaking at that time also, I think in the last few years, Quadras has lost more, um, I think he had more drop-off than Sir Rungvasai has. And I think that's just the style that um, Rungvasai has against um, Quadras, even watching the first fight. I think that style is going to be brutal on him. And, I, and that two-year layoff, unless he's rested and, and has that fire under him, and I, it's hard to see that he's going to be all there for this fight. Even though he's going to give it his best effort, I'm not sure he's going to be uh, it's, it's hard to see him doing enough to, to win this fight. Uh, I think Ramasai is still, I'm not going to say he's in top form or peak form, but he's still a, a more of a major force in the 150-pound division than Quadras is, currently is. And I, and I did think that that fight against Estrada took a lot out of him. So um, I see, Ram, and plus Ramasai, for some reason, even though he's, a you know, these are both small guys, but especially so Ramasai, he looks, he always looks a lot thicker than the points he's in there. Like I remember when he was in there with uh, Gonzalez, he made Gonzalez like a little kid, like Gonzalez was like two weight classes below him. So Quadras, even though Quadras is, is, is big also, even then he still looks smaller than, than Ramasai, and, and it, even though Quadras is probably a tad taller. So I think that brutality at Rungvasai is going to wear on Quadras and, and it'll be a late stoppage. Um, anything else you guys want to share? I think we did a really good job on that. Excellent breakdown. Yeah, Thanks, I mean, that's the one we all agree on. It's, it's just, I, I can't see it going any other way. Just even looking at the first fight and how that went uh, and then looking at um, the fight between Quadros and, and Estrada, it, it just doesn't look like it's going to be that same type of fight, but I don't think uh, Quadros has all that in him to take that type of punishment again. Um, and then, you know, so Rungvasai, he's more, he's rough and tough too. And, and I think that takes a toll, you know, on any fighter, but I think it's just going to be a brutal fight uh, for Quadros. Um, so moving right along, um, there's been a lot of talk about uh, who Tyson Fury will fight next. Uh, at first, um, I know there's been talks about him fighting uh, Anthony Joshua, but uh, in the last week, is the, the talks have changed uh, from AJ to a, a potential fight between Tyson Fury and Dillian White, which is uh, one, of some, one of the dates that was put out there is April 24th. I'm not sure if that date has been locked down, but that's the date they've been talking about. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on this fight and what's your prediction and what you will see? Okay, in this one, you will have uh, Tyson Fury. They call him the Gypsy King, you know. I, I call him Ewell Brenner, you know, the king and I. Um, you got Dillian White. They call him the Body Snatcher. You know, Tyson Fury 6'9", with that long 85-inch reach. He's 33 years of age, 31 Oh, with one draw with 22 KOs. Dillian, 6'4", 
28-2 with 19 KOs with a 78-inch reach. Tyson obviously is coming off the impressive fight of the year candidate victory over Deontay the Bronx Bomber Wilder um, back in October. And then White hasn't fought, you know, in some time. His last uh, victory was over Alexander Povetkin in which he scored a fourth round TKO. He was avenging a fifth round KO loss that he had um, before that. Now, as far as the skills that both guys bring to the table, Tyson Fury, you know, has skills to pay the bills. He's a natural in the ring, I'm very unpredictable. It's kind of hard to pinpoint his style because you never really know what approach he's going to take because he really patterns his approach based on the fighter that he's going to face. He's, he's, he's very reminiscent to Terrence Crawford, you know, in that regard, you know, he has a very high boxing IQ. He could, he can swarm his opponents, you know, to disrupt their rhythm. He, he can use fancy footwork to outmaneuver and create angles. You know, um, like I say, he just, he changes his approach, you know, to the fighters that he, he's, he's facing. Um, and what I also noticed about Tyson Fury is that in most of his fights, he used constant feints, you know, to throw his opponent off. And, you know, he varies with the jab, right? So he can throw like the straight jab, he can throw the flickering jab, he can throw the low jab to the body, you know? So he just gives you, you know, a varied attack. And he's an all around, just crafty, you know, boxer who's very awkward uh, for the opponents that he's facing. Dillian White, on the other hand, he um, it's a couple things about him that he's really good at. One is that left hook. He has a serious, serious left hook, and he has a, a, a like a combo. Um, it's a hook combo that's that's real proper, you know, that he throws. He throws with the best of them, um, and he's a really good body puncher and, and a pretty nice jab as well. Now, what I do notice about him is that he really does well with guys who like stand right in front of, him. you know, that's when he really is, is most dangerous, you know, as well. So if you stay there and allow him to throw that combo, that, that, uh, that hook combo, then, you know, you might be in some serious trouble. Now, when it comes to his power, now his right hand is powerful too. It's just that left hook that that's the one that guys get a little bit more sleepier you know he's able to put people out um when you see him in his highlights you know that that's the shot now when these guys enter the ring this is going to be an interesting fight man because it all depends on the approach that Tyson Fury uh, you know takes both guys are going to be fighting an opponent that's totally different than what they've been facing recently. So in his two fights against Povetkin, Povetkin is a pretty short heavyweight, compact, pretty powerful. And that's total opposite of Tyson Fury as far as what Dillian White is gonna be facing. And then what Tyson Fury has been facing in the trilogy with Wilder is a tall, rangy guy who really doesn't like to fight on the inside or anything like that, where he can kind of maul him and, and push him around. Um, and that's not what he's going to be facing against Dillian White. So it's going to be an adjustment 
early on for both guys because just the muscle memory of doing what they've been doing, you know, with previous opponents. It's two ways that this can go. Now, how I think it's going to go is I think it's going to be very, very close early um, because I think what White is going to attempt to do is he's going to attempt to do to Fury what Fury did to Wilder. And what I mean by that, I think he's going to take the approach of crowding Tyson Fury, kind of mauling him, getting in close to rough him up. And then the other thing that he's going to do, which most opponents don't do against Fury, is take advantage of that huge midsection. Fury is one of those tall, skinny, fat guys. You know, like a lot of his body is thin, but then he has that Homer Simpson in the middle, you know, part of his torso. So they don't call him the body snatcher for nothing. You know, he, he will drop some heavy shots down low, um, you know, to Fury's midsection. Fury does a good job in his fights of fighting, I would say, dirty, but he doesn't do many things illegal, you know, well, at least to the referee, you know. So it, it, it's going to be a, um, a, a pretty grueling fight. I think that how it's going to play out, I think that uh, – Dillian White's tactics are going to work early. I think Fury, like he always does, he's going to make adjustments. But I think the most important thing is as the fight is, is close in the first four or five rounds, eventually Tyson Fury is going to start landing some chopping um, shots on Dillian White. And I think that he's going to be able to eventually stop Dillian White because I think that white kind of slows down at certain points of the fight. Like it's a certain part of the middle of the part of the fight where he gets a little bit fatigued and tired. And sometimes he's able to catch his second win. But I think that fury, if the fight is close, or even if he's down a little bit, he has that lion winning heart where he's going to do whatever it is he needs to do. Again, he has that Katie Taylor slash Usyk in him where when a going gets tough, he's going to make sure that he's on that, you know, winning, winning end of it, or he's going to um, die trying. And so that's what I think is going to happen in this fight. He has to be very leery of that left hook, though, because the left hook can, you know, do some serious damage to him. But I think this fight could be a 55-45 type fight based on the matchup, because Dillian White does pose a difficult matchup for Tyson Fury with the skills that he brings to the table. But I think it's more of a 60-40. But I do have Tyson Fury winning late. Yeah, on paper, um, this fight is, is probably further out than, than what it would be inside the ring for me. When I look at it on paper, you know, uh, Tyson Fury is a lot more elusive and, and has more natural ability than Deion White. And Deion White, he, you know, throws a lot of, uh, wide shots, you know, a lot of wide shots, and he's he's noticeably a little slower where that stuff can be time, and we saw that Povetkin was time at certain points, especially in the um, in the first fight with with White. Um, so on paper, Fury should pretty much win this fight easy. But when I look at how you know history and how they both fight and and how they both approach will probably approach this fight, I think. White is probably will end up being more up for this fight than Tyson Fury. Uh, Fury, a lot of times he will take he has these 
big high point fights where he, he has his opponents like Deontay Wilder, he's 100% up for it, or even the Klitschko fight. But it seems like he goes down after that. He has these, these lapses between fights, um, as we saw after he beat Klitschko. And, and, and normally in the, in the fights in between these huge big fights, he tends to, you know, not have, be 100% in it, even though, you know, he's the type of fighter um, that, as you said, Will, he's always going to be there to win. He's always going to be game. And he always has that gear to, to go into when, when the going gets tough. But there are those fights where, you know, he has to do that when he doesn't really need to do that because he should have been, you know, dominating these guys. And I think that's probably what's going to happen in this fight. I think I, I'm going to look for Tyson Fury to have weight issues into this fight, you know, going into this fight and, and uh, trying – trying to get back into shape because he's coming off this high with Deontay Wilder where he basically won the trilogy uh and now he's looked at as like the top of the class heavyweight of uh of the the crop the current crop that we have now um plus I also I also think that um even though Deion why he loads up on these punches you know and, and that's what makes his punches wide and slow I do think that he's going to catch Fury some in this fight he's going to catch Fury He's going. I, I would look for him to drop Fury, and Fury had to get off the canvas, and Fury has to dig in that bag and, and dig deep down to to uh, win a close fight. So I have Tyson Fury winning a, a close decision, probably not a split decision, but a close unanimous decision over Deion White, where uh, Deion White drops him, but Fury outboxes him down the stretch using his elusiveness, using his movements, uh, and, and you, even using his size over over White. You know, I was thinking about that, too. Um, but I think Fury's going to stay up mentally for this fight for a few reasons. One, uh, White's been talking, too. And also, he knows what's at stake, and he wants to be in dispute again. And from what I've seen, it's not like he's been partying heavy or anything like after those previous wins. Um, he's still been in the gym training, and uh, he's been doing a lot of talking. And, you know, obviously he knows how to sell a fight. But when he does this type of talking, um, typically he's, you know, recent Tyson Fury. And I say recent, I mean, like, since he's been back this time, uh, he's been pretty much consistent with backing up what he said. Um, that said, you know, White's going to come in with a lot of physical disadvantages. He has a 78-inch reach compared to Fury's 85 you know, he's given up a five-inch height advantage. Um, he's also susceptible to that big uppercut, as you've shown in those two losses against AJ and Povetkin. Um, he came in a few pounds lighter in the second Povetkin fight than he did in the first one. I'm not sure if he's going to continue that trend and try to be lighter on, lighter on his feet, but I don't think that's his style either. And Fury's also not really the person you want to try new style against. Um, I think Fury is going to use his length advantage to keep White's aggression at bay. And if White tries to get inside, Fury's going to use the weight advantage to lean on him and tire him out. And I'm going to be very surprised if White finishes this fight. I think Fury's going to win by stoppage. You guys have anything else? I just think that Fury's going to beat the Dawson. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I, I think the Dawson is in this fight, but yeah, I see you. I see Fury beat them, but, yeah. but I'm not gonna count uh, White out. I mean, um, he he's showing he shows a lot over the years, and I know, I know he has that heart, and he really wants to win. But 
Uh, I think he'll be more up for this fight than I think I see Tyson Fury is. But Fury is just too talented that I think Fury has too much in his favor that even if this fight is close, I, I don't think the powers that be is going to allow him to lose this fight. Yeah, I'm not going to count him out, but the ref will. That's his job. Feel me? Mm-hmm. You're going to count him out. It counts to 10. <laughs> yep, exactly. But, uh, you know, staying in the heavyweight division, if we were to discuss this topic on this past Monday, uh, it was being reported by some of the news outlets in the UK that Anthony Joshua was going to accept roughly $15 million to step aside and let Tyson Fury fight Alexander Usyk. And for the undisputed championship, as in all the belts at heavyweight, and Anthony Joshua would have been promised to fight the winner of that. Um, it has since been reported that he did not accept that step aside, and he will be rematching Alexander Usyk. Sounded like it may be in April. I'm not sure exactly. That part hasn't come out yet. But what has come out is that AJ will be in this rematch. Uh question for you guys is should AJ have stepped aside or did he make the right decision? Uh, I guess it depends on how you look at it. I mean, if you look at it in terms of pride, uh, he made the, he made the decision, he made the right decision because, you know, a fighter's pride, if somebody gets you, you know, saying you get them back regardless, regardless of the case. And it shows that he has an eager to get in there with Usyk, who was not an easy fight, and pretty much had the world laughing at AJ and pretty much, in some people's eyes, embarrassed him. So he wants to get in there. So off principle, he made the right decision. From a business standpoint, I'm not so sure. I mean, if I was AJ, knowing what I know about AJ, and it's, it's easy to do this as someone on the outside because you're not that person. That person has pride. They have reputation. They have things that's inside of them. But on the outside looking in, uh, from a business standpoint, I would just take the money, you know, because, you know, 50, I, it's reported that it was probably around $15 million and he was going to end up probably fighting this fight anyway. It's like either he was going to fight the winner. He's going to fight the winner. So either he was going to fight Tyson Fury or he was going to fight who he's fighting now, Usyk, with an extra $15 million in his bank. So there's a business way to look at it. And then there's a... Uh, a principal way to look at it so it's not really a right answer is is how he, he looks at it he may not look at it as a loss i mean aj is pretty paid in his career he's been you know he's a top seller he's one of the top five sellers today i believe you know and he's really huge in in the uk so he already has retirement money um but 15 extra million dollars don't won't hurt either so um he made the decision. I'm pretty sure he talked to his peoples and, and, and win or lose, even in the fight with Usyk, I think he made the best decision for him. Yeah, the argument that I've seen is if he were to step aside, it would show a sign of weakness. But to me, the smarter move would have been to step aside. So he's going to fight. And if he loses, he may still be somewhat of a draw. But if we're being real, he's no longer going to be considered an elite heavyweight. There'll be the tier of Fury, Usyk, and maybe Wilder if he continues, and then AJ will be in that second tier. On top of that, I don't see him getting as much money in future, future opportunities. Let's say he wins. I'm not sure what the deal is going to be in the contract, but will he then have to rematch Usyk in the trilogy fight? And then if he, if he does and he wins both, 
you know, in that case, then I'll come back on here and I'll eat my words. But if he wins his upcoming fight and rematches him and loses in the trilogy, the same people who are saying it would show a sign of weakness would be more likely saying that his win in the second matchup was a fluke. Um, to be real, I see some parallels here between him not taking a step aside and Wilder when he didn't take the step aside earlier this year for Fury to fight AJ. If AJ was going to go straight back into this fight, I would have thought that something more would have come of him going to the States to work with a few trainers who could have maximized his talent. Uh, with respect to his current trainer, Rob McCracken, I think that he's taking AJ as far as he can go as a fighter. And I think he needs somebody, even if they're not a head trainer, but somebody like he needs somebody like who Ben Davidson was to Fury when Fury's coming back. Somebody who's going to put his head in a place where he's going to believe he can win his fight and where he can do the things that he's going to need to do to win the fight. And he's going to need a different game plan. I mean, so to his credit, uh, he appears to still be training based on, you know, what you see on socials. But, um, you know, Usyk is too, you know what I mean, even though it's not as publicized. And although he was able to rebound against Ruiz, uh, Ruiz is not Usyk. Usyk is a much tougher fighter to regroup for. Um, now, if he were to step aside, he would get the $15 million. He would get the guaranteed super fight versus the winner for all the belts instead of not just his belts back. And then if he were to win that, he would comfortably sit on top of the heavyweight division without having to go through this potential gauntlet that he's going to have to go through now. Um, he also could have used that Fury and Usyk fight as a note-taking session because Fury would have been the bigger fighter against Usyk and then AJ would have been a bigger fighter against Usyk. So he could have taken note of what Fury did right and wrong and similarly, Usyk would have been a smaller fighter against Fury, and so he could have taken note of what Usyk would have did right and wrong. And so um, I think it's that pride, honestly, and I, and I think that, you know, the, the same pride that makes these fighters great is the same pride that can get the best of him. And um, I don't see that second fight going much better, but um, unless he's changed up something and it's like, you know, being kept secret. But for what I'm seeing, he's kind of doing the same thing. He's training and, you know, but um, somebody gotta get, somebody's going to have to get in there and teach him how to impose his size if he wants a chance at winning this fight. Because he's not going to learn how between September and April or whenever they fight, he's not going to just learn how to be a better boxer than somebody like Usyk. All right, so to me, when it comes to whether or not AJ should have took the 15 million, well, that's US, really, that's close to 17 million when you talk about, no, that's that's euros. But when you talk about US, that's closer to 17 million. And I mean, personally for me, I would have took it, you know, but I'm not AJ. AJ, he's sitting there with 80 million, you know, in the bank and, you know, endless amounts of endorsements you know, he's beloved in the UK. Um, so that may not even be that big of an issue for him. And also I'm not a fighter, you know, so that that fighting instinct, you know, may just kick in. And then also the fact of him being embarrassed, that's going to play a factor of him losing to a much smaller, you know, fighter in Usyk, you know, and he don't like the taste of that. 
you know, I like that in him, the fact that he said that, no, I'm not taking a step aside money. I appreciate that about AJ because he want to get some get back. But like I said, it's pros to it, right? So the pros would be, you know, collecting that nearly $17 million in, in uh, U.S. dollars. And, you know, if he did take the step aside money, it will provide him an opportunity, you know, some more time to prep for Usyk. You know, some of the things that his shortcomings, you know, he can work on that, maybe take a fight or two in between and kind of, um, you know, iron some of those things out. So that would, that would be a good thing for him if he was thinking in terms of like long term, you know. And then also, um, you look at the cons. So, like you said as well, that people would perceive him as showing a sign of weakness. Okay, he's, he'd rather take the money than go ahead and fight Usyk. He's scared of Usyk, you know, so people would be saying those type of things. But a lot of fighters, the top echelon guys or upper echelon guys, they don't worry about that type of stuff. Now, I, I can't speak on when, when, when it comes to, like, losing. You know, they probably want to get right back in there and avenge the loss. But as far as people saying that you're trying to duck this person, you're trying to duck that person, a lot of those guys, they don't really care. You know, they are, you know, like I say, looking long term. For instance, Canelo was hearing that about Triple G for so long. And then eventually he fought him on his own terms, like when he was ready to do it. You know, um, Floyd Mayweather, when, you know, the Pacquiao situation was around there. You know, I don't need Pacquiao. Pacquiao, you know, I'm the man and, you know, he has a boss and blah, 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 this and that. And he fought him on his own terms. And so AJ, he could take that approach, but it's probably just eating at him the fact that, you know, he just can't live with the fact that he lost to Usyk. Now, another kind would be is you just never know because Usyk is 34 years old. So let's say for, say, for instance, he took a loss to Tyson Fury and somehow, some way Tyson Fury stops him or, you know, you just never know when a guy gets to around 34, 35 years of age, he may be like, well, I'm going to call it a day. You know, what else is there for me to accomplish? He could defeat Tyson Fury and say, you know what, what else is there for me to do? And then AJ got to live with that for the rest of his life. So, you know, to avoid that, or he may get injured, you know, you just never know. So right now for him, it's important to take the loss to avoid anything like that. And, um, yeah. So like I say, to me, like personally, I just take the 15 million step aside money, get myself right. But in, at the end of the day, you know what I mean? It, it comes with some risk. So but we'll see. You know what I mean? But, you know, all in all, he didn't take the step aside money. He's looking to advance the loss. And if they do fight, I think it's, it's going to be more of the same. I think AJ is going to look better early, kind of like when Deontay Wilder faced Tyson Fury when he came out. And he was doing more as far as like that jab, being more aggressive. You know, it's only going to be a certain amount of time when he's going to resort back to what AJ does. And um, some of the nuances he just doesn't have because he began boxing. You know, I don't think he was just like, like a youngster, you know, when he started. But he's just, like I say, that robotic nature that he has, he doesn't have certain innate abilities as a boxer. He's more a physical specimen. He's more of like a, um, I, and I don't want to disrespect him, but he is more like a bodybuilder type guy 
who can fight as opposed to being able to fight and somebody who bulked up, you know? So in a fighter who's, who's just a natural, like a Usyk, they can see those things and they can, you know, put you in situations that they can counter you and, you know, they can have you reacting to certain things just because you don't have that innate ability. And so, like I said, in a rematch, I think it's going to be more the same, especially with him not taking a fight in between to correct some of the things that he's um, deficient at. But that's all I have. You guys have anything else on that topic? I said, hopefully he doesn't look back and say, I should have took that 15 million. <laughs> you want me to look into my crystal ball real quick? I can tell you how it's going to go. He's going to look back and say, I should have took that 15 million. That's how it's going to go. But we'll see. He might surprise us. He might surprise us. But I also consider myself an HBN as well. You feel me? So uh, I trust my instincts. Yeah, I, I think that it could be a situation where he might be like, damn that money. You know what I mean? Even yeah. if I lose, I'd rather have took the opportunity to go for it, you know? And if I, you know, strike out, I just strike out. But I can't live with myself because, you know, I want that opportunity to face him. If he's the better man, you know, the next go around, and I did all of these different, um, I sacrificed all of this, I put in all of this work, he's just a better man. But I can live with that as opposed to not taking that opportunity and taking the money because I'm not happy when, with, with the money um, as I am with, you know, me doing what I think is important as a man. I mean, I don't, I'm not sitting on the bread that he is. And so like, I can't fully relate, but if he were to take it, he would, he would potentially fight him anyway. Or, it, or he would fight Fury. And if he beat Fury, he would say, I beat the man that beat the man. Plus Fury won his belt for him. And mm -hmm. then if he were to beat Usyk, he would say, I beat, I, I got my get back. And Usyk got Fury's belts for me. He's basically, he would basically be, accepting 15 million for somebody to do his dirty work. And then he, and then and if he won, he would collect it. If he would lose, he would be sad and $15 million richer, but it would be a super fight. Another super fight, I would say. A big one. You. Yeah, I feel you, you know, but sometimes that, that it, 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 it messes with a man sometimes, you know what I mean? The fact that, you know, go back out there and get that man that, that beat you, you know, it's like you come back home, you know, and, you know, you might tell your older brother, like, man, so-and-so did this or whatever. You know, they might be somebody else that, you know, do something to them. But at the same time, you still in your heart, like, man, shoot, I, I want to see him myself. You know, forget what old boy did to him. You know what I'm saying? Like, that mm -hmm. fool tried, you know, he tried to do this to me. You know what I'm saying? And, but, you know, in those situations, you don't have a 15 million into the equation so you know but it all depends man i can see where aj coming from i think like you say from a business standpoint you would think that you know you take the money because i'm just you adding 15 million to my bank account and i'm going to get the opportunity to face you you know with whatever it is that you do with tyson fury i still could even if tyson fury won i still could fight you you know what i mean or i can go after tyson fury win that belt and if I, you know, take the opportunity to win that belt, then I still can come back and fight you. But like I say, the only risk is if you never know where Usyk is going to be after the Tyson Fury fight. That may be 
enough for him as far as his appetite for whatever it is, his goals in boxing. He could be at a stage where it's like, you know what? I'm not going, um, I'm going to retire. I'm a Tom Brady the situation because I've done everything that I set out to accomplish in the sport of boxing. You know, my bad, AJ, you know what I mean? You know, I'm going to relinquish the belts. You can go ahead and fight for the belts. And he's sitting there stuck like Chuck. So that's the only issue. $15 million and fighting for the vacant undisputed. That's a, that's a good stuck to be in, but I feel you though. I feel you. I'm not, I'm not him. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to step outside of my, my head <laughs> and put myself in his head, but it just don't make business or boxing sense to me, but I, I feel you. The, the business, it doesn't, but the boxing to me, it does because the way AJ lost towards the end of that fight, that little dude was almost on the verge of stopping you. And so if he looks back at that fight and like, damn, dude was just whooping on me like that. You know, he has that urgency, that, that, that hunger in his heart. Like sometimes some things like that, you can, it could weigh on you. And it's like, man, I got to get back at this dude. Somehow, some way I got to get that fight. You know what I mean? I don't care what it is. I don't care, you know, at what cost. I need that fight for me to be satisfied. And so I can understand if that's what he's thinking, if that's what he's feeling, you know, because sometimes you can be in a situation, just certain things that bother you that money can't replace that. It's like, I need to go ahead and get my get back. If that's where he is mentally, psychologically, I could understand that. And I, you, you know, so you know, like I said, that's where I'm at with it. But, you know, from a business standpoint, if I'm just looking back and you just willing to give me 15 million to step aside and not do anything, then, you know, I like that. I, I like that opportunity to be able to do that. But I can also see a man um, saying, man, I got money. <laughs> Shoot, I want that fight. Yeah. I'm going to repeat what I said earlier, but it, if he's going to take the fight, it just makes it weird to me that he's not, from what I'm seeing, he's not switching up anything, though, because it's like, the way you fought before almost got you stopped. So it's like, are you even doing anything different? You know what I mean? Or do you just want it more? Because wanting it more is great, but if you're not doing anything different, Usyk wanted, Usyk is just as hungry as you are. He's proven to be hungrier. So, you know what I mean? But last thing I'm going to say about that, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but since you, you mentioned something a little bit different is now AJ could look at it like this too, because what AJ, see, when I knew AJ was going to be in trouble is when he started trying to box. It's like he was out there and he was throwing his jab and he was, he was out there, um, you know, fighting Usyk like that. And I'm like, you're not going to outbox the dude. Like, you're not going to do that. Now, if he takes another approach where it's like, okay, I'm going to be much more aggressive in this fight. Maybe that's what he's thinking is going to, you know, win in a rematch i don't know because i don't hey that's not his style and if he's not really doing that you know like you said as far as like from based on what you see you know i don't know what they're doing behind closed doors um and that could make him more vulnerable to being caught with something because that's just not something he seems like he's comfortable doing but i think in the rounds where he was successful, like he had some moments where he kind of like buzzed Usyk a little bit. 
he was being a little bit more aggressive and he was throwing out just the, like the trying to be cute boxer, you know, that European style. It was just more something that he was doing where he just was in there fighting, you know, and if he can implement that more in the fight, I think that he has a better chance at getting rounds or he even has a better chance of maybe stopping Usyk. Um, but we'll see, man, you know. Mm-hmm. Shout out to AJ, man. You know, I, I always respect any time that a man is is dealing with principle over, you know, taking some money, you know. But at the same time, we all would, you know, people are going to take different approaches because even if he t- chose the opposite way of doing it, you know, I can respect that as well. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'm going to say Skip. is this, well, we got to get you on record, man. Stop being shook. The dang on Chiefs, the Bengals, the Rams, um, the 49ers. Who you got, man? We got to put you on paper. We got to get this documented. Okay. I know we talk boxing, but we also got to get you on record as far as these picks. This is the NFL the playoff, and the people want to know what's your record. I mean, what's your what's your call in these these games? Come on, man. Almost, we are a boxing pot. There you go. I'm doing this because I'm doing this because I because I, I was, it was asked. <laughs> Win today, Kansas Kansas. So you got the Chiefs. But that's we, not so sure. Well, but I do we, think the we can't hear you, man. You going out? The time is about to elapse. Y'all have a great week. Kansas we'll City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs.